Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. How many of your employees are trying to balance paying bills and saving for retirement? Support your participants today and tomorrow with Vanguard well on your way at institutional.vanguard.com. All investing is subject to risk. Advice provided by Vanguard Advisors, Inc., a registered investment advisor. This is the Secret Library Podcast. Welcome to Season 8, where our theme is wonder. For many of us, when we write, we focus on the end product. We focus on what we want to accomplish and getting it out into the world where others can read it. However, it's just as important how writing transforms our lives. What does writing change about how we experience the world around us? This season, we will have a series of conversations with people who look at how writing has impacted them, how it has changed their everyday experience, what impact writing has had on their lives. I know you will love hearing these conversations as much as we loved recording them, and I hope that by the end, you will have found a pathway to wonder through writing yourself. Welcome back to episode two of season eight of The Secret Library. My guest this week is Alexandra Mark. She is a writer and college teacher in Ontario, Canada. Her substack, Berlin for a Season, reflects on her recent time living abroad with children and on the small, brilliant moments of everyday life. She is currently revising her first novel. Born in Toronto to immigrant parents from Europe, she grew up in a small town in southern Ontario. She received her honors BA in English Literature and International Relations from the University of Toronto and her MA in English Literature and American Studies from the University of Nottingham, UK. After graduate school, she worked as a writer and contributing editor for Niagara Magazine and Interiors Magazine. Since 2007, she has been teaching English and Communications at Niagara College in Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario. In 2019, Alexandra completed the story intensive via the Sarah Selecki Writing School, where she deepened her connection to the writing process and developed her confidence as a writer. She is also a proud graduate of Book Alchemy's very first Dream to Draft cohort and a member of its supportive and inspiring writing community, the Manageable Yet Meaningful Writing Lab. She lives in a small town on the Niagara Escarpment with her husband and their two children. I'm very, very excited to have Alexandra on the show because she bridges the gap between the academic world and understanding how writing works from a college perspective, but also has explored fiction in many forms herself. And being right in the middle of working on her first novel, I felt that Alexandra was the perfect guest to take us into the world of wonder within the writing community. 
anyone who has taken a number of my courses will have had the benefit and luck to have Alexandra as one of our TAs. So you know what a good teacher and how many insights she has about writing. Welcome to Alexandra Mark. Hey, Sandra. Thanks for coming on. Hi, Caroline. Thanks for having me. (laughs) So for everyone listening, we've just discussed the fact that neither of us slept well, that we are not in our usual, well, I don't even know if I would say usual for me these days, but just the, the perfectly prepared, I've got everything all lined up and neat to record this episode. That is not what's happening for us today, but I'm actually kind of happy about it. What do you think? Yeah, me too. It makes me feel like those days where um, you're sitting down to write and you've, I don't know, haven't slept well or something else is going on. You're like, well, I said I was going to write however many words today. And you're like, whatever, let's just see what happens. And it ends up being kind of like a great writing day because it kind of, I think sometimes it strips away those expectations a little bit and then you get sometimes better work but I'm not making any promises for today. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, me either. I have no idea what's going to come out today. But the thing, this is the whole point. We might have just cracked the whole season in like the first three minutes. But the fact that we write and the fact that we think about writing and the fact that we spend time doing this ridiculous thing, which is creating stories sometimes for years that we have no idea if anyone will ever read, means that if we sleep badly and wake up in the morning, it becomes the parameters for an experiment rather than a total loss and a big disaster. Yeah, that's true. And I think it also speaks to the the way in which I think writing resists any sort of strict parameters that we put on it. So you know, we may often, you know, we may think we know where our story is going, or maybe this is just me, but I may think I know where my story is going and I think it's headed in a certain direction. And then I'm surprised. Or if I try to force it into a certain direction, it turns into something uninspired and kind of a little bit flat. So I think there's like, I think maybe what we're talking about a little bit is, um, releasing control. I know, it's terrifying. <laughs> Cuz I know As you I, love this. Yeah, this is hard. Yeah, this is really hard. Yeah. When you were describing yeah. it, I'm like, yeah, like a wild animal. This mm-hmm. idea of writing as a wild animal that is not going to perform well if put in a teeny tiny cage. Yeah. Yeah, and who does? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think teeny tiny cages allow us to do one thing, like sit in one spot, just like strict lines have us do one thing, which is go in a straight line. I think there's that, yeah, there has to be some room, but I think the ego gets in the way where we think like, well, I know better. I had this plan and, um, you know, this is what I had set out. And then that, that is the thing that throws us. And the story's like, ha ha ha, (laughs) watch this instead. Yeah, I don't have to do that. That's fun. That's fun that you made that plan, but I'm going to ignore it now. I'm going to blow that plan up. 
that's what I'm going to do. That's that's how I feel like it is sometimes for me, at least. So I have a question for you because you are in a unique position, which is that you write fiction, but you also teach composition. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering how those two types of writing feel different because there is something as a, as a teacher, as a fellow teacher here, I teach people to just trust their instincts and I'm constantly having them let go of all of these rules about what something has to be. But when you're teaching something like composition, I'm wondering how that experience and the way that you're sharing information about writing in that direction influences your own writing and just what the balance is between those two. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it has changed. I've been teaching for about 15 years. And so it has changed the more I explore my own um, creative writing or fiction writing. Um, the more I see sort of like a fluidity with which to teach communications, which is what I teach composition. Uh, We have some oral communication, but it's mostly written. And I teach a bunch of different courses. So it sort of depends on, like, for example, there's one grammar course I teach, which is less about composition. But then there are, yes, of course, various composition courses where we look at different strategies for reaching your reader. And um, since I've been focusing more on my fiction, the one thing that I've been noticing with my teaching is that I've been stressing the importance of the writing process mm-hmm. and the student's ability to discover their own way of doing things. So even though when we're writing you know, letters or reports, even though we need to follow a specific structure that has been laid out, I'm more interested in the student's experience of writing that document and what do they discover and i'm not saying it's some kind of you know extensive self discovery but i am interested in students learning what works for them um how they work um and to sh- and to explore the writing process in a way that feels um manageable for them or workable for them because I think you know when you're coming out of high school and there there's and and not all of my students come from high school some of them this is a second career that they're training for or something like that so I have older students as well but a lot of students are coming from high school and you know they're very they have sort of clear ideas on what they're supposed to do like this is how I'm supposed to write it this is the process I have to do this first and so forth and that's fine Um, but I think it's more useful for them and more supportive for them to give them permission to explore how the process works for them. And so some of the things I talk about are like what I do, how I set up, how I work through a document if I'm working on it and what that process looks like for me. And um, yeah, so I think the fiction piece, my own exploring my own process has informed how I teach more so than maybe the other way around. Interesting. So you've been teaching communications and composition for 15 years, but I'm wondering how long you had an inkling that you wanted to write fiction. Yeah. I can't remember not wanting to write. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's sort of, I don't know. I, I was a kid. I, 
<laughs> I um, I've always been interested in story. I've always been reading a lot. Um, and I had always been writing down stories. I used to do this thing where we had a very quiet street when I was growing up. <laughs> I used to sit on my front porch and wait for someone to walk by with a notebook. And then, you know, I wouldn't know who they were. It, um, and I would make up a whole story about them. So I'd see someone and I would, you know, sketch a picture of them. And then I'd give them a name and an age and an occupation and a whole backstory. This is like, I still do this sort of like in my head when I see people sometimes, um, if I'm waiting. But I feel like I've kind of always done it. And I used to write poems and I put a book together and printed it off and gave it to all my family members when I was like 11 or something. And um, yeah, it's just sort of always been there. And I think it's some, in some way it is how I experience the world. And I think we all use story. I think we use, we all use story to make sense of the world and to make sense of our own lives. Um, but yeah, it's just always, it's sort of like this, um, sometimes it's like an inner dialogue and it, it's kind of always there with me in a way. So I kind of can't remember not doing it. Yeah. You know, I don't know if this is the same yeah, for you, but yeah. yeah, it's hard to separate. It's hard to separate a point when it wasn't there. And yet I'm going to out you if that's okay. Yeah. There was a, there was a significant moment. You had been working on a potential story. Yes. And a number of us read this story and said, I think this is bigger than just a story. I think this yes. might be a whole book. And your reaction was not, oh, yes, of course. It's always been there. I think that it's natural <laughs> that I would go on to write this book. What was your reaction? Um, I think I laughed, maybe. I think in a kind of a in a bit of disbelief. I think I was also. I sort of felt that I felt the pull for it to be a longer piece. Um, I've just always loved the short story form. I love writing short stories and I love reading them. So I always kind of, I, I sort of was headed, I thought I was headed in that direction. So that's sort of what I, again, about putting parameters on things, right? So I was like, oh, this is going to be a cute little, not cute, but this is going to be a little story and I'm going to, you know, um, add it to this. I had this idea for a collection. Um, and that's what I thought it was. But I think my reaction was also, I sort of could feel that pull, like I said, but it was also a little bit of fear. Like I was a, a little bit nervous about um, holding it all. Like if it's going to be that big, you know, if it's going to be novel length, I was nervous about exploring um, all the aspects I would need to explore and also the commitment because it's a, you know, not to say that writing a short story is easy. I don't think it is at all. And it is a time commitment as well, but it's a different mindset, right? You're not, it's you're. It's perhaps looking at it as a snapshot perhaps, whereas a novel, you're looking at something with a wider lens. And so, um, yeah, there, there was a bit of laughing and a bit of disbelief, but also kind of a, yeah, you're probably right. And of course, yes, you were all right. And so, yeah, we took it from there. <laughs> I think it's just, there is this moment that people teeter on, I think in general of, I have this idea, it feels big. I can feel this whole world in there. And how funny to hear this story about you making up professions and lives for people as they pass by. Because I feel like that is a direct link to what happened in your novel. You all listening will have to wait, but she is close. 
She's very close on this one, but you will have to come back and listen to this episode when it's out in the world and see how those things pull together. But there, there's a way that there has to be a moment where you think I can do this. This is a commitment I can make and it will lead to something worthwhile. So I'm wondering about that moment for you of, am I going to just leave this as a story or am I going to make this leap and follow what this story is asking me to try? Yeah, I think it, I think um, it was a combination of things. I was really fascinated by my main character and I felt like she had a lot to say. And so I, I wasn't, I wanted to learn more about her and I felt that pull. Um, but I don't think I knew that I could do it. Like, I don't know that that was the feeling. I don't know that I thought, you know, okay, I'm going to take this on. I think it was more, I don't know. I think it was more about having a little bit of faith in the unknown, I say with trepidation, because I don't usually. And also, um, your course, the dream to draft that we were doing it together. And I think because we were, because I was in community and it was the pandemic. And so this is 2020, everything shut down and um, we were all in community together, doing it together. I felt like I could do it because others were like, we, we were there sort of holding each other up. And I think also because um, the pandemic was so um, terrifying, especially at the beginning that my story became a bit of a life raft for me. So I could go there and follow it along. And that felt mostly reassuring at times, you know, like there were times where it was, of course, difficult and so forth, but the, the process itself felt reassuring. But I don't know that I knew I could do it, to be honest. I, I don't know that there was a point where like, I can do this. I was just more kind of, I'm like, I just more thought, well, we're all doing this. You know, we can do this together. This, I, I this felt is the that. thing. This is the thing about writing that I think is the hardest to understand and to me inspires the most wonder is that when we first take on a book length project, it's uh, there has to be a first time that we do it. And there are many moments in life when this happens. We have to take something on that we have never done up to this point without any proof that we'll be able to do it. But most of those things happen when we're too young to realize it's happening. Like you don't sit on the ground as a toddler and say, I have never yet walked. So I'm not sure if I want to put in the time and effort to figure this out. It's just a compulsion. But by the time most of us as adults are writing, it's we've learned that we enjoy doing things we do well more and that it's hard to go back to the I might fall point. And yet um, there is this wonder that needs to happen, which is I'm going to try this even though I have no idea if it's going to work or not. And the funny thing to me is it's the people who are willing to do it without the proof who are able to finish. Yeah, and I think there is like the point about wonder, there is sort of this, I have to believe that the story wants to be told. Like I have to believe that it's there and that I'm sort of maybe blowing the dust off of it or pushing the sand away or something like that. Um, yeah, it's 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 such a tricky thing because I think in our lives, so many things are set up as first you do this, then this, and you have a sense of like where you're headed and there's 
no guarantee perhaps, but there are assurances and writing is so different than that. You know, writing is really um, a leap of faith. I think of like the, that Indiana Jones, which one is it where um, they have to cross that canyon and there's no it's bridge. It's the last crusade. I think about it all the time, all the right. time. And then he throws the sand, right? And he sees it. Yeah. Like I actually get chills thinking about it. That's what yeah. it feels like. It's sort of like, I'm going to go anyway, you know? Yep. And, um, and I think, I don't know if rewarded is the right word, but that's sort of how it feels is when you venture out into the unknown, you are rewarded. Things become more clear. And I, I'm since the since writing the first draft, um, I've really sort of developed much more faith in this small steps leading towards a larger goal. And then when I look, like when I kind of reflect on it, of course, that's how things happen. Like when yeah. you look at nature, things don't happen in giant leaps. It's like a flower doesn't just bloom, right? It's like everything, <laughs> like in spring, everything comes up slowly and you don't, you barely see it. You even, you know, we have ferns growing in our backyard in spring and they come up like they're gone in winter. You think they're just never coming back. And then as spring comes, they come these tiny, tiny little like fuzzy points out of the ground. And then they slowly, slowly come up. And of course you don't see them moving. Yeah. But a month later, there are these giant ferns. Like it happens in these really tiny, tiny steps. And I have full faith in that, you know, like big leaps. I don't know. I think yeah. it's a myth. It's or like. It can be like, I, I'm thinking of flowers here in Germany. Like we have these little snowdrops and crocuses and things. And it appears like they just show up out of nowhere. But we haven't seen any of that stuff happening under the surface that led to that moment. So either way, I think you're right. There's so much that goes into it before you see, before you see the result. Yeah. And I think as I've gotten more comfortable with the process, um, those times when things are happening under the surface. So for example, if I'm not writing or I'm in a lull or I have less anxiety around those times. And sometimes maybe a month, a couple months where I'm like, I don't know, I just, I'm in a bit of a lull and it happened to me. And then it comes up, whatever it is, it, you get through it, you move through it in various ways and then you're writing again. And I think those lulls are also necessary. Like that's also part of the process outputting and writing and so forth um is necessary it's like the blooming but you also need the kind of pullback a little bit too and I have more faith in that now that that's that's part of the creative process this sort of like contraction and expansion thing metaphors all over the place <laughs> oh yeah I know you know what I I can mix a metaphor like a cocktail that would make somebody very ill, like just things that you should not put together. I will put them together. I have no fear in this area. The question I have about that. So there's all of this awareness about writing. This is leading. I'm sorry, but no, okay. <clears throat> do, has that translated to other areas of your life? Or is this something that stays inside of the arena of writing? You're like, this is this unique little area. And that is where this is true. And everywhere else, it's not the same. No, it's completely trickled out into all aspects of my life, or maybe not trickled, like rushed out into all aspects of my life. And I think when we, I don't know if it was when we finished, um, so when we were all in Dream to Draft together and we finished our first draft, 
I think this is the thing that um, I kept kind of coming back to is like, is the writing process, the, dis the discovery of my writing process is a discovery of self. The more I uncover about how I function as a writer, the more I uncover how I am in the world and what matters to me and what works for me and what doesn't work. And the more I trust myself, the more I make decisions that are supportive as opposed to doing things um, because I'm supposed to. And I think, you know, some of that is age too, but I really do think it is the writing process because if I believe that small steps can lead to other outcomes and I believe that I'm capable of doing something I've never done before, then I might try that in other ways. Um, we, uh, my family and I moved to Berlin for, um, four months, as you know, and that similarly was something we had never done. And I have two kids, they're four and seven years old. And I didn't know the school system. I don't speak the language. I didn't know where we were going to live. And I thought it was a great idea. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> but, it, but it was a series of small steps, you know, it was a a series of small steps, yes, to get us into the, the places we needed to be. But the bigger thing was having faith that we could do it and that if it doesn't work out, it's okay. Like it's not, it's not all um, for nothing. And um, yeah, I'm so grateful for the writing process for that. The sense that like sometimes you have to do things maybe before you're sure. Oh, yeah. I think we always have to do things before we're sure. It's like if yeah. we wait until we're sure, so many things will never happen. Yeah. And it's sort of, it's fascinating too how things can fall into place. They don't always, um, but how they can and how just that, you know, the also understanding that things aren't just like, oh, everything's just happening to me. It's like, well, no, I have agency. I can make decisions. I can change my mind. And for a long time, I sort of felt like, oh, well, I can't do that because. And it was just sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy that was limiting, right? But because I was practicing walking across that canyon, like in Indiana Jones with my writing, I could then apply that in other parts of my life. And the Berlin is just one example. I think this is so important because we can often think about when we're doing these ridiculous things, because it is ridiculous if you think about it on a purely practical level. Okay, I'm going to write this very long thing. I don't know what's going to come out of it. I can't be 100% certain it's going to work. And what we tend to gravitate towards, at least questions I get, and the things that I've focused on for much of my life is the who, who cares? You know, that is anyone going to read this? Is this going to matter? Is this going to make any difference? And we completely forget that we are someone who is going to care very much that we do this in the future. I think at the beginning, it was very much at the beginning of this process with this project um, was very much, well, who cares? Like, does this really even matter? And, um, but now it's um, it's shifted. Now, the way that I look at it is, well, I care, period. Mm -hmm. That's it. Like, I care. It matters to me. These characters matter to me. The story matters to me. So, yeah, I have, you know, hopes for the story and so forth. But that's not the thing that drives me. 
it's not enough, right? Like it has to be inside of me, um, this desire. And it really is. And so sometimes when, you know, when it's hard, um, I don't really even consider ever abandoning the project because that doesn't seem possible because it's, it's in me. I have to, I have to see it through. Like it would torment me if I, if I just kind of abandoned it or let it go. Not to say that, you know, sometimes in certain projects you have to let it go, but for this one, for me, for whatever reason, um, the driving force in my completing the project is my own care. Mm -hmm. That's truly it. But that, you know, that took a little while to get there. Yeah, I think I think that's important to know also that this wasn't necessarily there from the beginning and it builds over time as you engage with the story. Like I remember a particularly significant moment fairly early on in the process where you had a somewhat angry confrontation with the story. Are you yeah. are you willing to share this moment? Yeah, I was uh somewhere in the middle because I think this is when it happens, right? Yeah. Where I had a beginning and I had, and I, I write, well, this project, at least I write in a like kind of crochet method. So I'm just sort of, it's just so unlike my life, how I live my life. <laughs> my life is very organized, but my writing is like throwing darts at a wall. Like that's, you know, at least there's a wall, but I, I, you know, it's very much like showing up. I would look at what I wrote, but not, I wouldn't read what I wrote the previous day, but I would look at what the scene was about the previous day. And then I would get into it. And so I had a beginning, I had a sort of a sense of what was happening. One of another character was coming forward more, my main character's mother, and I was really into her. So that was good. And then somewhere in the middle, I just, I don't know, I felt like there was nothing left in me. And I knew that I wasn't at the end. I wasn't even close to the end. And so I think the um incident you're talking of is when I was <laughs> yelling at the wall yeah. I have this office in my basement that we made during the pandemic and I have a little window up above and um yeah I was yelling at the wall and I believe what I yelled was what do you want from me I have nothing left to give <laughs> meanwhile my children are running upstairs and like you know um but yeah that was the moment it was uh it was hard it was hard yeah yeah I just I just out you on this as well, because I've, I'm mindful of those listening who may think, I have this story, I'm not sure if it's going anywhere, and I don't feel like it's in me at this point, or I don't know yeah. if I can, I'm that dedicated or that connected to it. it am, I, am I doing something wrong? And yeah, my version of the, what do you want from me? I have nothing less to give was the crying at the dinner table and saying, this is completely failed. There is nothing going to come of this. I've wasted all this time and it's a complete disaster. And my husband, who's well-versed with these sorts of moments was like, okay, well, you know, that's okay. <laughs> and then that was not the end of the story, but it just, you hit these points and they're they're tough they're tough and it's like life too right you have moments in your life you're like I I'm not I don't know what I'm supposed to do here right where things feel really hard and it's like a small small version of that where you're kind of you feel totally stuck stuck really 
or I've had moments of crying too on the floor. I with something else with related to writing and it's so real. It, it's really hard. I don't know. It's like, it's this sort of thing about you just kind of keep showing up for it in whatever version of yourself, like the way we are today. <laughs> like you just show up for whatever it is and whatever, however you are is how you show up. And I think the, you know, the question of wonder is very interesting in this scenario because um, there is that element, or I think at least of wonder or magic or the unexpected that can come from showing up and not knowing what's going to happen. So is that um, what pulled you, is that what pulled you through or that held you to the project after feeling completely exhausted and not knowing what it wanted from you? I think the thing that helped me in that moment was knowing that it was part of the process. Mm -hmm. You know, was just, and also because there was a group of us writing together, I think having a community of writers around you is maybe the most important thing, I, for me at least. Um, but yeah, if I, when I realized that it was part of the process and that other writers had experienced similar things, um, then my opinion of what happened wasn't so important anymore. You know, I could just see it as like, a difficult moment, but not indicative of where things were headed. You know? So yeah, I think it's like, that was... this is my flavor of this experience. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, you've cried too? Or you've had moments where you thought it was all for nothing? Oh, okay, cool. I just had more of those, you know? And then you just think, okay, well then, then you move on from there. And I don't remember specifically um, what happened after, but I was able to move forward, but I do think it's just knowing that it's part of the process. Oh, completely. I mean, it almost comes like, like a sort of personality test. Like, oh, you're a wall yeller. I'm a little bit more of a, di <laughs> I'm more of a dinner, dinner table crier, but I, I can totally respect the wall yelling version of this. In fact, it sounds kind of satisfying. No, it was good actually, because it, it is sort of funny to how I was treating my story like a personality, like saying, what do you want from me? Like, what, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Um, you know, it also kind of shows my, how I look at it, you know, as though it's this person or this being. I think that's the flip side too, because I think one of the major pressures that happens is this idea that we are making things up. And that, you know, we have to sit there with nothing and then squeeze something out like we're some kind of Play-Doh machine and we got to squeeze something out of it and then there's something there. But I have also always preferred the idea that I am collaborating with something or Elizabeth Gilbert's notion of having a genius instead of being a genius, not that I think either in either case that genius is what's happening here, but more, I would say more inspiration that it's, that there is this, this existence of writing as an inspiring force. And it's something to work with rather than something that's all on you. Has that been the case for you? Yes, a hundred percent. And it completely changed um, how I um, look at writing or work with writing you were really helpful, Caroline. I remember you mentioning that I was my character's biographer. And mm -hmm. I that really shifted things for me. I was like, right. And I remember you saying to me, 
ask her what she wants to be told. And this sort of direct connection, like just ask her directly, was sort of mind-blowing to me. And I thought, oh yeah, that's right. I can just go that way as opposed to thinking that I'm making it up. And I, you know, everyone has different experiences, but for me, it does feel like a collaboration. You know, and I think a lot of, um, anytime we're, like you were saying, squeezing like a Play-Doh, that's a really good um, image. My kids were just using one of those. <laughs> um, so fun. That's, it is fun. But the squeezing doesn't work, right? So if we're collaborating, like if we're collaborating, let's say with a partner in real life, you know, or on a team, squeezing people, forcing them to do things doesn't create great material. And I think it's the same with our writing. I think it's about sort of holding it more gently, more loosely, and giving it space to breathe. I mean, I can set up my times where I write and I make, I could have a word count. I could do, you know, I can create all these structures for myself, but I also have to give the story room. And I think that's where like the wonder comes in, the sort of like amazing moments can come in. And, and, um, most of the time for me, it's when I'm not writing, you know, most of the time things come to me when I'm walking, going for a walk or holding mm -hmm. laundry or I will say peeling potatoes, but we don't eat that many potatoes. This doesn't sound <laughs> like that, like in the kitchen cooking. You, you, you know, can like leave in Germany, but Germany hasn't left yes, you. It's true. You know, we're still very, yeah, potatoes on the mind. Um, but those sorts of things, you know, where your hands are active and your mind can wander. And that gives space for, for more to come in. And I was kind of thinking about it as, um, when I was thinking about wonder and how it relates to writing, I was thinking about it as like, when you make space for these things to happen, it's not rest. It's not like, although napping is helpful and all that, to me, it's not rest, but it's not being active either. It's like this in-between place. And I often find that it's like taking a shower is another one. Like anything where my mind can wander a little bit, but I'm not trying to sleep or I'm not actively doing something. I find in the, that in-between place is where things tend to come up. I'll have lines of dialogue come into my head or I'll see something in my head that happens in the story. And I'm like, oh, that's what it is. And then I'll quickly go jot it down. Um, so yeah, I think it's that spaciousness as opposed to squeezing. Yeah, I think it sounds like occupying the part of you that can distract you with something. So the other part can just get on with this business. Yes, that's much more succinctly said. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. Well, I had this ridiculous image as you were talking, which is just goofy. But it was, I was thinking of creating open spaces that makes it enticing for ideas and writing to come in. And the image that I had is nobody understands why this is the case. Perhaps an animal behaviorist somewhere does. But if you leave an empty box in a house where there are cats, they will immediately get into it. Like a rectangle of some kind or an empty box, doesn't matter. The cats are going to get in it. So I was thinking, it's like you're creating these experiences that are like empty boxes so that the cats of your ideas will get into your, your writing traps. They're like really enticing, cozy little writing traps. Because if you try to get a cat to do something, 
they will not do it. There is no way. And I think that ideas and writing inspiration and characters, characters are like cats. That's so good. It's same with children. You leave a, a box out, it's suddenly, it's a rocket ship. You know, you're like, oh, I was gonna yeah. put that, you know, you know, whatever. And yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, that's so good. That's really good. Yeah, it's it's like, it's it's sort of like setting the table for a dinner. Like it's like being, like creating spaces where things can happen, but where you're mm-hmm. not forcing it. So it's sort of a fine balance. I like that. Well, it's like learning what, the cardboard box is for you, for yeah. your writing self. And you, maybe it's, maybe it is peeling potatoes or maybe it is the shower or maybe it is running or, but you're never going to get those ideas to come in. It's not, it's like, it's like trying to take family photos with little kids. It's like, <laughs> we're all going to, we're all going to sit and pose nicely and like never, just never happened. Yeah. And, and, but if you do something that's fun and capture the experience of that, then you get these beautiful photographs that hopefully reflect that, but they're, they're captured by accident or so that the idea is that you're creating an experience that's worth capturing. And that to me is also a little bit about the wonder of writing. Like it's not about creating those outlines. Like your students may have learned in high school. I know I did with like Roman numeral one and then A, B, C, and then little one, two, three under each of those. And like, we will learn the form that is the correct story. And no cats are going to get into those boxes. No, 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 that's, uh, that, that's very true. You're probably going to get a hairball puked up on that one. Well, <laughs> just like, toss it to the side of their paws and just move it away. Or if you've got kids, yeah, there's going to be like jam smeared on it and and like there's going to yep. be marker all over it and then like a sad face, probably. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. But I don't think this is bad. And I think this is the thing and I maybe you can respond, but I feel like going into writing, the point of writing is even though we may think otherwise, it's not to turn it into accounting. Like if we were able to turn it into accounting and come up with these forms and not have it be a wondrous, mysterious, uncertain process, do you think you would keep doing it? No, I mean, there's no way. It's not interesting. And especially because like I was saying earlier, so much of my life is not accounting exactly, but is that way, right? Where I have to schedule things and time things and um, like the, just the logistical exhaustion alone, you know, sometimes of, um, planning and the whole thing. And especially with children that writing is, it can't abide by the same parameters. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to, it, it has to abide by something else. And even if it's invisible, even if it's something I don't understand, I don't mind. I kind of, I enjoy that. I like. <laughs> this is hard to say. I like not being in control <gasps> when it comes to writing. I do. I know. <laughs> I'm tripping over my words even saying it. But it's sort of like a um like a safe space where I can explore what it feels like not to be in charge. And that sounds really egotistical because I don't think that I'm like, I don't think I realize that I have a I don't have a lot of control in life but I, I enjoy imposing control on things. 
Um, but with writing, it, it no, it doesn't abide by the same by the same rules. Um, and that's fascinating to me. And that's been that's been a learning process for me too. That's that's something that has taken a while for me to accept and also feel safe inside of because it can be terrifying to not know. Definitely. Um, yeah. And there were times when I was writing my first draft where I would sit down at my desk and I would say to myself out loud, you are safe. This is a story. You're, you're just in your room and you are going to see where this takes you. And <laughs> I'm confessing that here. Um, but at the beginning, for real, I had to kind of tell myself that. Because it, it did feel a bit um, disorienting not to know where something was going and still pursue it and still have, you know, a thread of faith that it might turn into something. Yeah, it has. And it has. And it has. I am so grateful that we got to talk about this and learn more about your process. And thank you so, so much for for letting me out you and for having this, for being a good sport and for having this conversation. Oh, it was such a pleasure. And you can out me anytime. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. We're all looking to make more sustainable choices, but making your own shoes out of natural materials could pose a few challenges. At the Allbirds Innovation Lab, they're doing all the sciencey stuff like research and testing to create shoes from natural materials, like leather made from plants, eucalyptus tree fiber, and sugarcane. It's not rocket science, it's shoe science. Allbirds is making shoes better than natural. They're super natural. Find your perfect pair at allbirds.com today. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com.